and he began to teach them from the mount. And so today, as we have uh, the past couple of weeks and through the weeks of the summer, we uh, find ourselves uh, diving in, hearing from Jesus as he uh, shares with us his great uh, Sermon from the Mount. Today, we uh, read about our identity, an identity that is bestowed upon us by Christ. We read about uh, us being a salt and light. We read from uh, Matthew 5, verses 13 through 16. Let's hear this from God's Word. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your heavenly Father in heaven. This is God's word, and may it be a deep and abiding blessing to each of us, not only as we hear this word read, but as we make effort now to take our lives and apply them to this word. May God bless each and every one of us. Some of you have heard of the Briars. Uh, Myers-Briggs personality assessment. You may have uh, taken that and have gotten a, a sense of um, what it's saying about you and, and how you go about life. Others of you may have taken the Enneagram personality test. For those who are about to be married, I uh, administer a premarital inventory called Prepare and Enrich. There's an abbreviated personality assessment built in. Personality assessments are just one way to get a sense of, of who we are, those sort of characteristics that are very much a part of our lives and, and personalities. Nailing down our identities uh, isn't always the easiest thing to do. Assessments aside, some are known by their vocations, others by their accomplishments, and still others are known as the parents of their kids. In some circles, I'm identified as a United Methodist pastor. In others, I'm recognized as Brian and John's dad. And in still others, I'm recognized as Cheryl's husband. Hopefully in all circles, I am known as a person who is deeply devoted to Jesus. Knowing who we are, and even more importantly, whose we are, is an important issue for life. Some spend their whole lives trying to figure that out. And the question comes to each of, each of us, how is your identity defined? Jesus spoke quite a bit about identity. On occasion, he talked about his identity. On other occasions, he would let others share what they thought about his identity. At one point, Jesus claimed to be the, the light of the, of the world. He, he shares that in John chapter 8, verse 12. At another point, Jesus claims to be the good shepherd. And he makes that claim in John 10, 11. Jesus, the Son of God, 
knew who he was. Just as Jesus talked about his own identity, he was quick to talk about ours. He does so right out of the gate in his Sermon on the Mount. He offers two really compelling images. He claims that we are both the salt of the earth and the light of the world. On the surface, Christ's reference to salt and light is seemingly easy to understand. Salt of the earth, light of the world. Yeah, it seems like we should be able to understand that right quickly. On a much deeper level, those two images leave us with a lot to ponder. So let's dig a little deeper into what it means to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. First, coming in regard to the salt of the earth, we, we recognize that salt enlivens everything that it seasons. I find myself using way too much salt. In spite of the warnings to cut back, I'm guilty of sprinkling a little salt on, on what I eat, uh, even though it's already been well salted. It just makes things taste better. Salt does. It really brings food to life. I feel for those who are on a low-sodium diet. Their food just can't taste as good. By identifying ourselves as, as his followers, uh, as the salt of the earth, Jesus essentially says that those who follow him have a way of enliven, enlivening everything that is around them. With Christ's help, and in his power, we really do have the opportunity to make a difference. In Christ, our lives become different. And as we reach out in his name, the lives of those around us become different as well. Never doubt your influence. Never doubt Christ's influence in your life and the sort of influence he has as he works through you. You are the salt of the earth, says Jesus. Not only does salt enliven what it seasons, it also has the ability to preserve. For centuries, salt was, uh, was used to preserve meat. Without refrigeration, meat was made safe for long periods of time by, by curing it with salt. Salt has a, a way of keeping things from going bad. Let me tell you, I'm a real fan of country ham. I had some around Christmas last year, and I got to tell you, it was really, really good. What a treat. William Barclay states that those who are the salt of the earth are like a cleansing and a septic in society. Ours is always to, to strive for good. Ours is to live lives that are becoming those who follow Jesus which in a lot of ways is contrary to the ways of the world. As a matter of identity, we are called to stand for that which is truly righteous, all the while making love our aim. That's a great word for times such as these. The salt of the earth stands strong in the face of injustice. The salt of the earth consistently seek to promote the way of love. The salt of the earth seek to serve however and, and whenever they can. 
whenever and however needed. The salt of the earth desire to follow Christ at all costs. You are the salt of the earth, says Jesus. Salt not only enlivens and preserves, but in and of itself is pure. Now, I'm particularly struck by that notion of the purity of salt. Salt has always been considered pure. The, the Romans thought that, that salt was pure because it came from the sea and the sun. One of the Beatitudes that we read last week about, about being pure in heart uh, struck us and, and caused us to, to, to give pause to what it means to truly be pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, says Jesus. When our hearts are pure, we are able to experience God more deeply. We're just drawn to Him, and we're able to, to understand uh, his, his greatness for our lives when our lives, our hearts, are pure. Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.19, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in, in conduct, in, in love, in faith, and in purity. The salt of the earth make these things, these things, a way of life, including purity of heart. They don't succumb to the temptations of, of lowering the bar. They are the ones who stay steady. They are the ones whose every desire, every focus is to be stayed upon Christ. I've often used the phrase, the salt of the earth, at funerals to refer to those persons who have displayed the, the sort of steady, dependable way of life you would expect from a person who is a follower of Jesus. Those persons are, were not so much conflicted by the, the temptations of, of this world. You could tell they just had a pure heart. That's just the way that they, they lived their lives. And they lived wonderful lives. As a group, they were, were never flashy or, or boastful. These salt-of-the-earth folk were always ready to serve, always ready to make a witness, always ready to reflect God's good work in their lives. And all of that flowed out of a pure heart. You just knew that Christ was very much a part of their lives, and their purity of heart was nothing short of inspiring. That's the way it is for those who are the salt of the earth, those who enliven, those who seek to preserve, and those who are pure in every way. Christ knew, though, that, that even though salt in and of itself was, was pure, it could become contaminated. In fact, he talked about salt losing its saltiness, he knew that just as salt could lose its saltiness, it was possible for people to lose their saltiness as well. It was possible for them to, to stray away from their first calling, hence his reason for, 
for talking about salt losing its saltiness. During the days of Jesus, most of the salt used in that region came from the, the, the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is one of the saltiest bodies of water in the entire world. I've been to the Dead Sea. I've, I've, I've swam in it. Better put, I, I floated in it. You, you can't sink in the Dead Sea. It is so full of minerals. I understand that the Dead Sea is almost 9% saltier than, than any ocean. Its salt, can, though, can be full of all sorts of, of impurities. It can lose a good deal of its flavor. The people of Christ's day were, were aware of that. We need to stand guard so our saltiness doesn't get compromised by things other than the purity of God's truth. We need to stand strong so that the things of this world don't draw us away from who He wants us to be. If we don't seek to stay true to the high calling that is ours in Christ, we flirt with losing the very identity that is ours in Him. We become somebody different than Christ intended us to be. If we lose that sort of saltiness, that sort of focus, that, that sort of purity that we're talking about. In, in a word, as all these things come to pass, we run the risk of losing our saltiness. Jesus sees it this way. Salt that has lost its saltiness is no longer good for, for anything except to be thrown out and, and trampled underfoot. Let's be on guard that we not lose our saltiness. You are the light of the world, says Jesus. This too is our identity. Even on the darkest night, those of us with almost unlimited access to electricity take light for granted. We can go to a light switch and turn the lights on at will. Those not so fortunate know what darkness is and know what a difference even a small light can make. I learned that pretty quickly upon visiting Africa. The village that we visited turned pretty dark at night. In fact, it, it became pitch dark, as dark as, as any dark that I've ever seen. If you've ever taken a, a trip out west and traveled through, through Kansas at night, you know that light has a way of being seen for miles. A city on the Kansas plain can be seen for, for miles and miles away. From high above the earth at night, whether in an airplane or even in a spacecraft, you get a sense of just how much light stands out when it's dark. Light does indeed pierce the darkness. John talks about the, the coming of Christ in his prologue to, to his gospel. He, he talks in terms of Jesus being light. He says, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. A bit later, John writes in, in John 1, uh, 9 and 10, the true light that gives light to everything was coming 
into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not recognize him. As we said a few minutes ago, Jesus says this about himself, I am the light of the world, he says. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus makes this claim for you and me. He says that you are the light of the world. A city set on a, on a, on a hill can, cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. So let your light so shine before others that they should see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. And so the message is this. When it comes to, to us understanding that we are the light of the world, we shine because Jesus shines through us. And because he shines through us, the darkness around us is illuminated. Christ in us, his great light then comes shining through for all to see. And as that light shines in the darkness of this world, it brightens the world to no end. Lord, I, I pray that, that people not see me, but that they see your light through me. That's a marvelous prayer and one that we should be praying all the time. I pray that that people not see me, but that they see your light shining through me. Let the light of Christ so shine in you that the lives of those around you are brightened. And as their lives are brightened, may it be that Christ gains all the praise and glory. I love the old children's song that puts it well. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Put it under a bushel, no, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel, no way, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. You are the salt of the earth, the light of the world. This is your identity in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's pray together. God, thank you for bestowing upon us an identity where we are called to be the, the salt of the earth, the light of the world. Lord, we pray that you fashion in us the very disposition where we are clearly reflecting the sort of steadiness, the sort of focus, the sort of purity of heart that clearly allows others to see you in us. Lord, we pray that you shine upon us your light. And as your light is in us, may it be that your light is shining through us. Lord, we pray that we know and understand that you have called us to a certain identity. And we pray that you form us such that we are living into that identity as the salt of the earth and the light of the world.
Lord, you are great and greatly to be praised. And we pray that as our identities are formed in you, that indeed you would gain all the praise and glory and that people would see you instead of us. Thank you, Lord, for this good word from the mount. We pray that as we hear it, may we also respond with an openness of heart to the end that we would receive. And as we receive, may we find ourselves at a much better place to be able to share. This prayer we make in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen.